Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining us today, NBC's own frontline reporter from the 2022 <laughs> World Championships in Budapest. We're sitting down today with Nick Zaccardi. Nick, how's it going, man? Hey, that's quite the introduction. Thank you very much, Coleman. It's a pleasure to finally be on the podcast. Longtime listener and watcher here. heart very happy to hear I'm, I'm glad you've enjoyed it and glad to hear you're listening um i i see you at meets a lot and uh we've interviewed a lot of the same athletes throughout the years and so um it's great to connect with you on here i know you were in budapest to initially to just report the meet but you ended up being uh nbc's on-camera personality as well um can you tell me how that came to be and just a little bit about the experience itself being on that other side of the camera yeah no it was a really really cool experience and uh, i was originally only going there to write which is what i normally do kind of my 40 hour a week job and then uh, sometime in May, I would say, uh, I got a call and said, hey, uh, while you're there, would you mind doing interviews for the broadcast too? And I said, like, of course, whatever I can do to you know, help our overall coverage, I'll do. I just, I said, just, just one thing, I have almost no experience doing this uh, on, on camera live. I've done a lot of interviews. So they're like, oh, it's all right, you'll, you'll be fine. Um, and uh, so that's kind of it kind of went from there and it, it ended up being uh quite an experience i have a newfound respect for anybody that has to do uh live interviews whether it's you know tv or streaming or any any sort of thing or even you know live podcast interviews it's it definitely takes an interesting skill set yeah so I, as yeah as someone who does that sometimes uh i'm just curious about kind of the learning curve that you had from day one to day eight what do you feel like you picked up or gained along the way as you kind of got into a rhythm and got further and further into the meet yeah so it, it was pretty interesting i mean it was like being thrown right in, into the deep end to use a pool analogy um i think what really helped was actually the day before the meet started, we did a lot of sit down interviews with a lot of the US swimmers in uh, in a hotel room, um, which you may have seen on, on the broadcast with sort of like little short features or whatever. So that kind of helped me get a little more comfortable. I wasn't on camera for those, but there was a camera there. And, um, you know, just to see a lot of the swimmers who I've seen, you know, most of the veterans, as you said, being in a lot of meets and other NBC shoots, I'm pretty comfortable with them. But it was the first time that I had that I had actually like been at, you know, an event on site since the pandemic actually. So I met like Claire Cruzan for the first time and Tori Husk for the first time. I talked to them on the phone before, but so that really helped me get comfortable. And then like, we have incredible producers. They were back in Stanford, but you know, I, they were in my ear the whole time. And then we had a, a sound guy and, and a video guy who are based in Europe, um, who, who are on site with me. And they've got like decades of experience doing all sorts of different sporting events. So they were kind of like, holding my hand through a lot of things but i would say as it went through as the meet went on i got um i got a lot more comfortable being on camera of course um a lot more in a rhythm of kind of 
you know, the kind of questions that you need to ask when you're doing these short two or three question TV interviews right after a race. It's a little bit different than the type of questions you would ask, you know, like in a mix zone uh, or if you're writing an article um, there, you know, I mean, so yeah. And then just like, it's, it's pretty incredible um, doing the TV interviews because like you see them get out of the pool and it's like, boom, they're like right there 30 seconds later. And it's like, so sometimes I don't know what my questions are going to be until we find out what happens in the race. And now I've got like 30 seconds to like digest everything that happened and be like, okay, boom, boom, boom. These are the three questions I have to have for Ryan Murphy or whatever, based on this that just happened. It's like, you can only do so much prep work, right? Until you find out somebody broke the world record or whatever. You just like, you know, so it's, it's, you really had to be on, on my, on my toes a lot. And I made some rookie mistakes for sure, but it was, it was an incredible experience. It really was. So uh, yeah, on that note, um, you know, can you, can you kind of put us on deck with you? What were some of those highlight moments either, you know, or memorable moments for you yeah. either when you made some of those mistakes or just the situations of like, you know, when Hunter Armstrong gets crowned world champion because Justin rest DQs and then 20 minutes later, we find out that, that it gets overturned. Oh gosh. Well, I mean, I don't mind sharing some of the rookie mistakes that I had um, just because I'll, I'll always remember them. And like, again, since I was a rookie, I don't think anybody's going to blame me for this, but I think maybe it was the second day I accidentally left my credential on for the first interview. Um, maybe the first day I, I left um, an AirPod in, like I've been, I was listening to the producers with AirPods and I think I left my AirPod in that was the, the wrong ear. So it was the ear that was being shown on camera. So you could see I was, I had an AirPod in. So it looked like I was listening to music while I was uh, uh, in room with the athletes or whatever. So like, it was, I mean, it was, you know, again, I've never done these things and it was just like, you know, there's a lot of things to remember that I just wouldn't go through my mind when I'm doing, you know, print interviews or whatever. But um, it's funny that you mentioned the Hunter Armstrong thing, because that was a really interesting case. I was, so of course I'm there, I'm watching the race and we see the finish. And it's like, oh, US, you know, one, two, you know, okay, that's you know, great. We'll get both of them for an interview together. It's, you know, it'll, it'll, like, again, like whenever the US finishes like one, two, it, it makes my job really easy because everyone's happy, you know, and, and you get to talk to two different people and get two different perspectives on the race. And, and obviously Hunter and Justin have great sort of backstories. And then, you know, you see pretty, it was pretty quick DQ. I, I, I think for, for a race, sometimes it takes a little bit longer. And so it went from getting Justin and Hunter together to just being, okay, well, Justin is like escorted off somewhere else, I guess, to like start the appeal process. I'm not sure. And Hunter comes over. And so my question of the first thing, okay, I got to ask Hunter just basically like, what's happening? What do you know? Like, you know, that sort of thing. That was my first question to him. And I'm not sure if this interview made air because of how crazy things I'm getting with, with it all. But, um, and you know, Hunter was like, he had a great answer about how, you know, basically he didn't want to win a gold medal this way and, you know, that whole thing and Justin deserved it. But from then on, the next hour was me running around and talking to FINA people, talking to USA swimming people, you know, trying to figure out like where the appeals process was like, you know, can we get a final answer on this before the show is over, you know, because we want to get the viewers the latest information. And so I kept getting different responses from different people, basically like it's, the summary was it's going to be over the, the appeal is going to be successful it's going to be overturned i'm like well that's not good enough i need like is it overturned right like we can't be like you know right so and um it was like text messaging talking to people in person like there, literally there was a fina official like right next to me in the mix zone basically i think they told him like hey that's the usa tv reporter 
So he's the first person that we want to tell once we have it official so they can get on their air since it's an American swimmer. And so there was a guy right there. And um, so it was just like, it was just crazy. And it just kind of taught me that like, when I see all the different people doing the, you know, the sideline interviews on TV, various sports, they're not there just doing interviews. They're like reporting news and trying to find out information and stuff like that. Like that day for me, most of my time was spent running around talking to different people, you know, that wasn't on camera and only a fraction of it was the actual on camera news. So basically long story short, we get the final answer. It's overturned. I think we got the final answer like after it had changed on the Omega live timing that it was, he had been reinstated anyway. So at that point it's like, okay, like it's gotta be official. And, um, so they had to have what a second medal ceremony. So uh, we weren't able to talk to Justin until after the TV window ended. Um, and um, we did end up talking to him. And I'm, I'm not sure if it made the NBC highlight show, but we did talk to him and Hunter together. And it was probably my favorite interview of, of the, of the entire meet, but that was, that was definitely the most memorable, like single experience of it all was just that whole craziness. I'm sure it was memorable for lots of people trying to follow it too, because it was, you know, it was just, it was just crazy insane. Yeah, I know we were doing a live stream during it and, you know, just getting getting the live updates of like, oh, Justin won. Oh, he's DQ'd. Oh, you know, like they're feeling yeah. it and then it gets overturned. I mean, I feel like it happened relatively quickly just from our side of getting those updates because I think we got a similar message of like they're they're appealing it and then we think it's going to get overturned. Um, and I think also we had like commenters in the live stream section who were in Europe. So like they were ahead of us. Um, anyway, uh, so it's like went pretty quick for us, but I can imagine that that was a wild time being a reporter, trying to try being on deck, trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I imagine that maybe some of the European TV stations, they might've ran with it, um, you know, before we would have, like, I don't know what their standards would have been. Like we were pretty much like, you know, it's gotta be like rock hard, hundred percent, you know, definite. And if again, they were telling other TV stations, it's going to be overturned. They might've just turned around and said that, which we weren't really, you know, we didn't want to say that until we had something official. So it's pretty funny. And we were right next to like Swedish TV and Swedish TV is like asking me, like, is it going to be overturned or whatever? Cause Again, like we're the American TV station. So I guess we're the ones who, you know, are supposed to know this first, but it was just, it, it, it was, it, it was, it was wild. And again, like when you're writing these things, you know, it's like, you're basically, okay, I'll just wait for the process to play out. Right. Like there isn't like a hard deadline really. Whereas when you're on TV, it's like, yeah, like the broadcast is over at this time. You know, we don't want to leave people wondering what's going to happen. We need an answer now. And so it was, I felt like I had to be a little more, um, you know, persistent with people than than with writing because again we had this kind of like you know like this is something we had to have you know that sort of thing I, at least i felt that way i wasn't being pressured but i you know i put my reporter hat on and it was really important to get so again like, and everybody came through so the producers are great and fina was great um eventually you know getting something all done and i'm glad he was able to get you know the medal ceremony and everything um you know especially that for justin so it was but it was it was pretty crazy actually just spoke to Justin recently um, and kind of, you know, rehashed that, that whole scenario. Um, and it was great getting his perspective. I'm curious what made his interview with Hunter and Justin um, together, you know, what made that one the best yeah. one for you, obviously, aside from just the situation? 
Yeah. Well, obviously it's, it starts with Hunter and, and his message in, in both the interviews that we did with him was basically like, yeah, like I don't want to win a gold medal this way. And like, basically like Justin should have, Justin is the gold medalist to me is basically, you know, what is basically what his sentiment was. And so to hear him say that right next to Justin too, um, was, you know, I can feel the kind of spine tingling right now, just, just remembering it. And then Justin, um, you know, talking to him, just asking him like, what does this mean to you? And, the context of your career and you talked about considering uh retirement i believe and you know he's been at this for a while i think he made his world's debut in budapest what five years earlier and missed the medals in in the 50 back so to come back you know after five years what um missing an olympic team and and to come back and get it and then just have to go through all that craziness with the the, the dq and the appeal and all that like it was you could tell it was really really an emotional time for him so it was you know, the, those two things combined, having it involve two people and then just his backstory, I felt like made it pretty incredible. Because, I mean, like, Katie's great, but she always wins gold medals. Like, th this was like a ho-hum meet for Katie, right? But this was like something totally unique for, for Hunter and Justin. So it's, you know, it's pretty special. Yeah. So in terms of just your work with NBC, um, you, I mean, I'm, I'm, you cover a lot of different sports, not just swimming. Um, so when you come to a big swim meet like this uh, and the, you know, kind of the penultimate meet of the year, um, what do you, is it, is it different than covering a, another sporting event? Do you have to get in a certain mindset or do you have to prepare yourself in certain ways, obviously, other than just, you know, the, the research that goes into this sport versus another sport? Um, that, that, you know, that's a good question. Each sport kind of has their own uniqueness about it. Um, and obviously like for swimming, you guys do, do an incredible job. I mean, no matter if I'm covering it on site or, or not, I'm always, I go through and read every single swim, swim event preview. Um, and, and, and now since you guys have started the podcast since the pandemic, I, you know, listen to or watch all the podcasts, but yeah. Um, you know, you know, it's, there's, there's two different parts of it. There's, like sort of like the the personal personality sort sort of backstory angle, which everybody you know that is kind of synonymous with, with NBC and that whole thing. And then there's like the analytical statistics time sort of angle, which is always going to be present swimming because it's all about time. So I I kind of re, I kind of research things in in both senses when I can. So you know when if I've been writing solely writing this meet, I would have focused probably more on like the personal stories. And I, I wrote a story on, on, on Leah Hayes and then her, her backstory before the meet. That was kind of the one sort of deep dive-ish sort of story I did. Um, but then when it came to TV, every day I would come um, to the arena hours beforehand. And I'd start going through, you know, race by race. Okay, these are the sort of like statistics times, you know, missed metal history sort of storylines with each of these races and each of these swimmers. Um, because like with these TV interviews, like it's like short bites, right? You know, you're not, I'm not asking somebody for their life story in these interviews. It's basically like, how is your race? And then one or two more questions on the context of the race, like, you know, Tori Huss getting six medals and only a few women have done that or Ryan Murphy's first individual world title, like, you know, different things like that. So um, I, and I'm a numbers person, so I really enjoy that aspect of it. But, um, but at the same time, you know, it's, there's people behind the numbers too, right? So um, it's figuring out a, a good balance, a good balance of both. Um, that's, I, I like, I like that you said you kind of <clears throat> balance those two things because I think, I think a lot of people get into sports for that numbers aspect, right? But then maybe a lot of people get into journalism for the, for the personality aspect or, yeah. or a combination of both, but 
it's great to combine those and and see both for what they are and, and get to report and um, tell stories about both, which is, which is really neat. I'm, I'm just kind of curious about your other experience. Do you have a favorite sport to cover in the NBC sphere or Olympic sphere? Um, I don't think I have one favorite sport. I like to tell people that what I do, I try to mirror as best I can what our primetime show during the Olympics is. So for summer, I'm basing most of my time in swimming, track and field, gymnastics, and maybe a little bit of beach volleyball, um, diving. And for winter, it's figure skating, alpine skiing. Um, do I have a favorite among those? Um, I mean, I so swimming and track and field, I, I, I like them both a lot for kind of the same reasons. Like you've got the time aspects of it, very easy to kind of follow in that aspect. And then obviously the, the personal stories are there too. Um, Gymnastics is uh, can be a little bit tougher. Um, there isn't as much of a, you know, I mean, it's a judge sport, so it's not by time, and there's fewer athletes, and and there's it's more cyclical. You don't have as many athletes sticking around for four or five Olympics, and so it's harder to develop relationships uh, with the people you cover. So that's a little bit tougher. Um, and then, I mean, the winter sports are different because um, so many of them, you're not, they're they're outside, they're the the weather, the cold, and everything, and and you, you don't get as good of a sort of up close and personal um, aspect of it um, when you're dealing with skiers and bobsledders or whatever, because they're wearing helmets or they're, you know, you're separated from them a lot. Um, so yeah, I mean, the swimming track and gymnastics are kind of, they're kind of the, the three. I mean, I, you know, I grew up, I was in what high school, college when, when Phelps was kind of doing his thing. And so that was like watching those Olympics, it was, you know, all Phelps all the time. So it's, it's hard not to be um, influenced you know, by that a whole lot. So swimming, swimming is up there, but I, I couldn't say I could pick one. How much autonomy do you have in terms of, do you get to choose what you cover to an extent mm -hmm. at all? Um, I feel like I have a lot more autonomy than a lot of writers, I would say. Um, obviously there's a lot of collaboration um, with, uh, there's like so many different departments at NBC that, that have their hands in the Olympics, right? So based on what time of year it is, what, what sport it is, that sort of thing, I'm, I'm talking to different people, producers, researchers, um, editors with the website. Um, but when, when the Olympics, when the Olympics are happening, it's, it's, it's completely different than when the Olympics aren't happening. Um, when the Olympics are happening, I'm much more of kind of like one piece of a puzzle. Um, and when the Olympics aren't happening, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm our main point person for all of our written digital coverage of, of Olympic sports. So um, when the Olympics aren't happening, it, I'm, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot more autonomy. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I feel like over the years have gone by, I've been NBC nine years now. Um, people come trust me a lot more with, um, you know, deciding what's newsworthy, what's, and what's newsworthy for NBC when it comes to the Olympics, because since we are the Olympic network, so it's, we have, we are going to be covering things differently than say ESPN or, or other people because we have relationships with these athletes and, and these national governing bodies and you have to take that in, into consideration. I mean, I've got a hard news background, but I also understand that we have relationships. So um, you kind of have to toe those two things. Um, so yeah, I mean, first couple of years, there, there were some times where I have some conversations with people and be like, you know, this is, you know, again, we've got relationships and we have to, you know, I was at Sports Illustrated before, so you're not running for Sports Illustrated anymore, for anymore. you're running for NBC now. So but as, as time has gone on, we've gotten in a really good rhythm and sync. 
And, and it's allowed me to branch out to do like something I just did in Budapest, which is helping out with the TV broadcast. And I, I like being able to be part of the kind of the greater team of the broadcast in, in any chance that I get, because that's, that's where most of our people are. We don't have as much of a year round digital Olympic presence. Um, when the games are happening, we've got a lot of people who, when they're not, it's, it, it's not as much. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's how I look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did, is this a role that you had pursued for a long time or that you saw yourself in for a long time? Or is this, I guess, as a sports journalist or as an Olympic sports journalist, or is this something that you kind of more fell into? Um, that's a good question. I, I guess I hadn't really pursued it. I, I have always been on the lookout for ways that I can uh, contribute to a, to a broadcast and, I never, I don't know, if you had asked me like a year ago or even five years ago, I probably would have said I'd be more interested in helping out off camera than on camera, like, you know, with research um, or, you know, or just like, or, or interviewing people off camera, things like that, of that nature. But at the same time, I'd be like, but I'm also interested in any way that I can help. Um, so, you know, again, this, this sort of like this thing sort of like kind of fell into my lap and I'm just glad that they trusted me to say, yeah, like you can, you can do the interviews. Like we know you that, you know, that sort of thing. Like they acted like it wasn't a big deal, but to to me, it was a big deal because I see, I watch the Olympics and I see, you know, Andrea Kramer, Lewis Johnson, Andrea Joyce, like all these people that are, you know, been doing this job for a long time and and I'm doing this job that they're doing now. Um, I'm not saying that I'm as good as them, but it's like, that's, you know, pretty they're they're important part they're they have important roles in nbc olympics so um so yeah i mean i i was excited just that they that they asked me to do it honestly and um as i was doing it i thought to myself this is the most challenging thing that i've done in nine years at nbc and i don't know how well how good of a job i'm doing but I, at the same time i just love that i have this challenge and it just made me think i want to do whatever I can do that's going to challenge me in this job at NBC. And if that's more of doing this, if that's what they want me to do, then like, yeah, like sign me up. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to feel like entitled. Like I just did this. I should, I should get to do more of this. Like I, you know, so, you know, if I go back and talk to people at NBC, I'm just like, yeah, like give me more challenges, whatever you can give me. That's a challenge that that's what I want to do. Um, and then, you know, give me feedback, like, how am I doing? You know, so that's, you know, that's kind of, kind of the way I look. I never went into, I never went into sports journalism wanting to be on, on TV. Like that wasn't something I thought of. I was a writer and um, that's kind of what it was. And I just, I loved the Olympics and, and what, 12 years ago, I found a way to freelance the Olympics as a writer right out of college. And one thing led to another and now I work in the Olympics. So it's pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. So how many Olympics have you worked at to date? I've done five. I didn't do Tokyo because my son was born a week before the games. So I was on parental leave. Um, and then I, well, I guess I worked, I worked the Beijing winter Olympics, but I wasn't on site. Um, so I get, I mean, some people count that. I, I don't count that, but, um, but I mean, I worked it, I worked really hard, but, um, and I was part of a great team for that, but I did, I've done five on site, three on site with NBC. And I was at sports illustrated before that and freelancing before that. So, um, two summer games on site, London and, and Rio. Um, and Lon- London was incredible. Rio, Rio was all right, I guess, but London was, I mean, that was my first one, first summer. So that was, that was the best. Yeah. Do you, yeah. So do you have a favorite Olympic memory or moment 
um, from from any of them that you know are just moments that stand out to you in terms of of uh, of good memories or yeah, bad memories, I guess. <laughs> good or bad memories. Um, that's a question. I mean, I'll keep the swimming. Um, Trying to think in London. I mean, to me, the stuff that really sticks with me and like it's sort of like those awestruck moments are more so like the other journalists that are around because I see like oh that guy like he's been for Sports Illustrated for decades he's incredible like I read him all the time more so that than the athletes like um, but in London um, I just remember being I got to be at the swimming venue a few times and just like how noisy it was and how crowded it was and being all the all the way up way up in the seats and I remember like looking and seeing like Missy Franklin's parents and they didn't have great seats either. They had almost as bad seats as I did. And just thinking how crazy that was. Um, I mean, she was such a big star at those games. Um, and uh, Rio, um, yeah, I didn't do, I didn't do a ton of swimming in Rio. I did more gymnastics there. Um, yeah. And swimming in Rio. I remember um, like, again, it's, it's mostly the journalistic thing. So I remember in Rio, Ledecky did her last swim and um, she was going, they gave her like a one-on-one -on -one interview with, I think the Washington Post or Sports Illustrated or something. And I'm like thinking, oh, I've got to, I've got to get something really good on Ledecky now because they're going to get something really good from one-on-one -on -one interview. So I go and I talk to Bruce Gemmel, her coach, and she, and he's like, he's like in tears because he knows it's their last meet together. Right. And just telling me all these stories about her and, and, and that sort of thing. And I wrote a story ba based off that. And, uh, and so that was that was that was particularly memorable because I talked to Bruce a few times before and it, like you probably talked to him like he's he's incredible he's so great um, that was that was probably my favorite moment of, of Rio but um, um, yeah I mean I just remember watching like even things I didn't attend like the 2009 World Championships in Rome I wasn't there but I remember watching it on TV and um, watching that meet and being like that's like that's where I want to be that's that's what I want because I was one year on couch I was like that's what I want to do like I want to have a job where like I'm I'm covering these Olympic athletes, even when the Olympics aren't happening. Like Rome is an incredible place too. Right. Um, and that venue was, was so great. And I was like, that's like, that's it. That's what I want to do. And um, that's, you know, then like what, six months later, I was at a winter Olympics and, and two years after that, I started working for NBC. So it's, it's you know, it's pretty crazy. Um, um, yeah. That's kind of the, the, the swimming tie-ins that I can think of. Yeah. That's really great. I, I love hearing yeah. that little mini origin story of the 2009 <laughs> world champs. Cause that was a, that was a crazy meet. I remember watching it in high school uh, on TV and just being like, what is happening here? All the world records. Yeah. And just like, yeah. Like, and like Phelps, like what going with the suit after, after he, um, what like took the world record, world record back from cabbage or beat him or, beat him or something like that. And um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there were so many crazy stories. Federica Pellegrini at that meet. And just like the vent, that outdoor venue they had was so incredible. Yeah. Like, I don't know how anybody could watch that meet and not be like, you know, like a swimming fan for the, for the rest of their lives. It was so, it was so great. Yeah. I mean, and, and plus like, you know, anytime someone jumped in the pool world record. So it was just like <laughs> so exciting just from the, the aspect of, you know, this is literally the fastest meet that's ever happened in history you know like almost every world record got broken there is yeah it was quite a time <laughs> yeah 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 um so uh just looking forward now you know with world champs and swimming over um you're still in mm -hmm. europe so what do you what 
what is your job hold for you now and for the rest of the summer? Yeah, so um, I'm going I'm going home shortly, but um, the rest of the summer. So we've got the World Track and Field Championships coming up, and they're in the U.S. Uh, for the first time ever. Um, I don't know if swimming worlds in Oregon in the U.S. have they? Just short course, I think. Oh, yeah, um, I think short course was once in 2004, but I don't think long course has ever been. Yeah, so you know that's obviously a very big deal for us. I won't be there. Um, I won't be there, but we'll have a huge team there. That's part of the reason why. I actually, I actually requested Swimming Worlds this year instead of Track Worlds because I was like, well, we've got, we're gonna have a ton of people at Track Worlds. We'll probably have another writer there. Um, um, so, but I don't know if we'd have a lot of people at Swimming Worlds, so it might be more valuable if I'm there and that's what ended up happening. But, so that starts July 15th um, and that's a 10 day meet. So that's a really big deal for us. And also, I mean, I also kind of run our coverage of, of things like the Tour de France um, uh, on, on Olympic Talk, our blog. So it's not just like, what you think of as Olympic sports, but like anything that's sport that's in the Olympics, we kind of have a hand in. So that's kind of July. And then gymnastics national championships are always in August and gymnastics world championships are like October, November. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of funny the way the summer sports season works. Usually swimming track and field gymnastics are all kind of broken up. So like, okay, this week is a swimming week. This week's a track week. This week's a gymnastics week, whether it's national championships, world championships or, like a pro series, pro series, a grand prix sort of thing. They're usually broken up, but swimming with the change in schedule this year, the swimming worlds were the same. They shared a weekend with track and field national championships. So the last weekend of swimming worlds, I was finishing my work there, coming back to my hotel and then watching the track and field national championships and kind of helping our coverage of that. So those were like marathon days, but yeah, that's the, you know, the brunt of the swimming season is over. We still have nationals in Irvine. We'll, we'll cover those too. Um, but we've got, the big things are track and field and gymnastics coming up. And then, then it's like right into like the winter sports season in October, figure skating and alpine skiing start up. And there's other things that happen. There's, I mean, there's already Olympic qualifying tournaments happening right now, actually in soccer um, this week, which is crazy to think. Um, so there's always Paris 2024 on, on the horizon and different sports and different people qualifying, um, you know, Commonwealth games. Like there's like, there's always stuff you got to track, you know, something could happen, you know, with Commonwealth games, the Aussies are probably going to set a world record somewhere. So um, there's, you know, there's, a, there's always something going on. Yeah. I'm curious. What is, what, what will your coverage look like for Commonwealth games? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, it's it, a lot of it's depend on what else is going on um, in the Olympic sports world at that time. So it's what late July, early August. So that might actually be a decent time because track worlds will be over and gymnastics nationals. I don't think will start until they're over. So it's the sort of thing where I lo I'm looking for something that is going to have an impact on the Olympics. So again, like Aussie swimmers, like they're going to be big come the Olympics. Okay, great. So it's something like that. Um, honestly, like swimming is the biggest sport in the Commonwealth Games because the top track athletes generally don't go. Um, the, the gymnastics top countries aren't Commonwealth countries. Um, so it's I, I'm mostly watching watching the swimming, but like, and again, you're looking for you know, I'm honestly also looking for kind of like you know just like interesting, unique sort of stories. Like there are some sports at the Commonwealth games that are just like, you know, out there, like not a part of the Olympics. Like I'm thinking like lawn bowls is one of them. So if a, if a cool story pops up in something like that, like, you know, sure. Like throw it in there and look at it. So um, yeah. And just like, you know, I mean, I like the Commonwealth games. I like the international aspect of it. It's kind of like a mini Olympics. Um, you can debate what you want over whether you think the Aussies should be prioritizing them over worlds, but they happen once every four years and, worlds are once every two years so um 
you know, I'm sure you guys are going to blow it out a lot more than I will, as you guys usually do. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'll be watching. I'll probably be watching something more than anything else, like I said, because like a lot of the big stars are there. So yeah, and that's, I mean, that's the big thing for us, right? Is that uh, people really, so at least the swimmers in the Commonwealth really turn out for Commonwealth games. And so yeah. if, if, you know, if, uh, if the Aussies are putting us on world record watch, we got to be there or uh, metaphorically, we got to yeah. cover it. <laughs> um, so uh, that's, that's, that's really great Intel um, and just a great perspective to get on a, on a broader Olympic sphere. Um, one, one final question is that I'm really curious on your thoughts of 2024 U.S. swimming Olympic trials being in Lucas Oil Stadium. Mm. Um, yeah, that I mean that's pretty cool. Um, I I've been to one trials uh, again. I would have gone last year if um, my wife wasn't like nine months pregnant at the time, um, so I stayed home for that one. But I went to the one in 2016, um, and again, like watching the trials on TV. What in 08 and 12 when I was. Um, college and coming out of college um it was just like you watch it and you see the the you know the the fire things coming up for the intros and that whole thing and it looks really cool and, and like in person it was just it was it was just like that it was incredible and i loved that it was in omaha in a place where it was like the, the big show in town right i mean the college world series is going on at the same time but it was still it, it felt like it was it was the biggest thing there um i think it'll feel that way in indianapolis too indianapolis um they, they do a good job hosting other Olympic sports events. They, they post gymnastics nationals, they post track and field nationals. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what it's like in a, in a football stadium. Um, I, it's going to be a unique experience for sure. Uh, um, yeah. I'm just wondering, you know, what, how it, uh, the, what the sound's going to be, right. That's quite, sort of the big thing. Um, um, and the atmosphere and all that's certainly be different than, than anything else. I've ever experienced this with me. So I'm really looking forward, forward to it in that aspect. Um, well, I mean, Omaha did an incredible job. Um, part of me is, is, is sad for it to not be there, but then another part of me is like, like, this is good that it's like, we're trying, trying, they're trying something new. Like they're trying something different. Um, it, it's always good to, to change it up. I feel like. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm hoping that we'll see Ledecky in the 200 free there. We'll see. Um, um, at the Olympic swimming schedule might kind of, might base her decision off that, but yeah, it's, I think it's been pretty incredible. Hope to be there. Same. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, talk about, I mean, Olympic trials is already a swim meet. That's pretty unlike anything else, uh, mm -hmm. certainly in the U S and so to, to have it in a full blown football stadium should be pretty unique. Uh, if not, yeah. Yeah. And the mix zone in trials is always like incredibly unique because you see, when you see the people who finish third and, and that sort of thing, like you see people puking in the trash buckets and, and all this stuff. It's like, I mean, like they always say what it's, it's more nerve wracking than the Olympics themselves. Right. Um, and for us, it's like somebody finishes third and they're like a veteran and it's like, okay, like, are they retired now? And it's like, it's just like, it's crazy how like careers are make you make and break careers, Olympic trials like that. And you get the whole gamut of emotions. It's just insane. So yeah, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in 2016, um, 20, the, the, the 21 trials were, you know, obviously just a lot different because everything was, um, so protocol with COVID, but in 2016, yeah. the best media I came out of that trials with was 
uh, a, a compilation of filming the reactions when people who made the team who got first or second would go through the mix zone and then they'd be done. And, you know, their whole posse of their support team would be waiting for them there. And they just like run into the huddle and like, you know, hug, be congratulated by them and start crying or start cheering. And like, you know, it's just like a compilation of that. And like, yeah, you don't get that anywhere else, you know, because yeah. if you win a national title, that's one thing. If you win an NCAA title, that's one thing, but like, you know, to make an Olympic team, that's that, that is the pinnacle of, of us swimming. Yeah. Yeah, and the access is, can be a little better there than I like the Olympics themselves, where you maybe don't get all of those moments on camera. Um, it's, yeah, it's the best. Yeah, people, people ask me often, like, oh, do you get to go to the Olympics? Or, you know, and I'm like, no, but, like, usually I don't, for, for what I do, which is primarily video, whether on camera or off camera, like, it probably wouldn't be worth it <laughs> because yeah. just the Olympics are so, from what I'm told, I've never been to one, but just kind of clustered and very restrictive and um yeah you don't have the access that you would at, at, at another meet yeah the, yeah the olympics are interesting not to drone on here but from like a media perspective so i went to a couple olympics before i was at nbc and now i'm at nbc and i realized how different it is because with at nbc like i can have like my own spot in the mix zone um but if I do, I only get the athletes for maybe 90 seconds and they push them along to the next one. Or I can go with like the rest of the, the written media where they get the athletes maybe five, maybe even 10 minutes, you know, but it's a big group of people and you might be able to get one question. That's like, I have to wait. Do I want to get somebody by myself for 90 seconds or do I join the big group where I get them for 10 minutes? And that's kind of like the thing you have to wait. I mean, sometimes I try to get both, but it's... Yeah, and like and the athletes, there's like mixed zone fatigue too, right? Because they're they're stopping so many places, and it's the same questions every time. Like I don't know how like Katie and like people who've been around for so many Olympics, like how they deal with it. Because I would just like my brain would be so fried after like racing and then going like, how was your race? Like twenty different times in twenty different languages. Um, but yeah, like yeah, it's just it's insane. And like yeah, like the like the finished product, the product that comes out of it, like watching it on TV. And following it that way is like it's a lot easier way to to digest things um, for yeah for sure like i you know watching tokyo um it was like you know i mean part of me wanted to be there part of me was like you know this is like you know just like a lot less stressful like just to, to, to you know just to be just to be watching it and, and and you know and that and that sort of thing especially with all the protocols that were, that were in place it seemed like the journalists who were there just weren't able to get get a whole lot out of being there. It's just really made it disappointing because so many great stories can come out of the Olympics when, when you have the access. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, from one perspective, I get why they are so restrictive and I'm sure it's, yeah. it's pretty crazy, but yeah, um, I agree. You know, being, I was at short course worlds in Abu Dhabi at the end of the year last year and mm. comparing <clears throat> being on site there to being at home covering worlds from home it's like it's night and day like you said it's just like this is so much easier <laughs> i sleep in my own bed i eat my own food i go to my boss's house and you know work for a normal amount every day and then i go home and like don't really have to think about anything else yeah so it's yeah 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 so there there are pluses and minuses to each one like you know it's and like for relationships you know like really you want to see the people you're covering in person um, you know, to a, to a certain, it doesn't have to be to me, right? Like when you travel to, well, you went to like Mary Nostrum and in, in, in England to, to do some interviews and stuff like that. Like it's not, 
it's not so much about like being there to cover the actual meet, but just like developing relationships and, and things along those lines and, and showing the, the athletes that you are invested enough to, to, to make those trips. I feel like means a lot, you know, in addition to the great content you guys get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah. I know I enjoy the, those trips I get to take and also building those relationships. Um, yeah. Yeah. As, as part of being, you know, the best journalist or swim, swim coverage guy I can be. But um, <laughs> well, Nick, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come on and, and chat with us for a while. I know it's getting kind of late where you are, but um, any parting thoughts before we sign off today? Uh, you know, not a whole lot. Just like reiterating, I, I love what you guys do. I'm, I'm probably read swim fan more than almost anybody else. And I'm always, I get the podcast every week and subscribe to it, download it to it. So I, I really appreciate everything you guys do for the sport. Um, and looking forward to seeing you out in the mix zone or pool deck sometime soon. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.